Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. If you have questions about our church or following Jesus, feel free to reach out to us at info at theplantchurch.org. Now, here's today's message. So this morning we are going to look at, um, continue our series on the carols of Christmas. But I want to ask you a question. When you think of the Christmas season, what are some things that come to your mind? Someone just yell it out. <laughs> what is it? Say it again. Andy's candies. Okay, I, that does not come to my mind, but Andy's candies will take it. Anyone else have anything that comes to their mind? Christmas tree. Perfect. The tree out there looks beautiful, actually, by the way, whoever decorated that. So for me, when I think of Christmas, I think of a couple things. I think of family time. I'm going to be very honest with you. It's not all like butterflies and rainbows when I think of family time. I think of the Parkers because Rob is one of seven and they all come to my house and everyone's got a ton of kids and it's chaotic and these grown men brothers, all seven of them, wrestle and fight and every year break something in my house. When I think of Christmas time, I think of the Parker 50-year-old brothers wrestling in my living room. I also think of Christmas movies. Um, I love a good Hallmark movie. Anyone else? Right? And you know what I love about them is the whole movie is just perfect. And then the last, at 8.55, five minutes before 9 o'clock when the show's over, they fall in love, they kiss, and they live happily ever after. That is a good Christmas movie. Another one of my favorites, and I will always say, is Elf. I mean, how can you not love Elf? You need a good laugh, you put Elf on, and you just giggle. You can watch it a hundred times, you can recite every word, and it will still make you laugh, I guarantee you. Another thing for me is Christmas carols. And ironically enough, we are in the Carols of Christmas series as we prepare in this Advent. But there is nothing to me sweeter, I'm going to be very honest with you, than watching children sing Christmas carols, right? Does anyone agree with me on that? When you watch children sing, amen, right? When you watch children sing, there is something so sacred and so special about watching children sing. And I have to tell you, like I have been to like a lot of preschool performances, church performances with kids singing, and I've had every one of these kids, of my four kids, everyone have done this. There's the kid dancing in front, right? There's the kid who's singing the Christmas carols, not even paying attention, just flipping, kind of like Phoebe and Harper were doing this morning around here, if you watch them. Then there's the kid who is literally standing here like this, uh, mommy, mommy, and wants their mom. Then there's the kid who is perfect, perfectly dressed, singing the Christmas carols perfectly. Every word is on top. Then there's the kid who knows no word, and he's just belting out the wrong lyrics to the whole song, and it is the sweetest thing in the world. Every time I watch kids sing Christmas carols, I am in tears crying because I cannot believe what a more precious sight that you can see. So this morning, um, I want to look at those Christmas carols, and in particular this morning, we're going to look at Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Um, have you ever really pondered the words of the carols we sing? Have you really ever thought about them as you're singing them? We sing these words and they're kind of big and they're, they're kind of hard sometimes because they're written so far ago. But have you really ever pondered it? So Hark the Herald Angels Sing, as we look at the practical and theological side of this and what this looks like with the angels and the birth of our Savior, we're going to talk about the, the carol first. The carol was written in 1739 by Charles Wesley. Charles 
was the brother to the famous John Wesley, right? John Wesley, the theologian, he um, started the Methodist church. And John Wesley actually said his brother Charles' hymnal, which, by the way, had well over 6,000 hymns, he said that that was probably the best theological book in existence. Go figure. And this is coming from John Wesley, like a major theologian. And he's saying his brother's carols, they're by far the best. Charles Wesley was inspired to write this poem. It started out as a poem. When he was a young boy walking to church on Christmas morning, he heard the church bells ringing, and it inspired what we know today as Hark the Herald Angels Sing. So this morning we're going to walk through a couple verses of this, and as we look at the significance of Christ and the angels and how this all plays together. So let's open in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here in West Milford this morning. Father God, we all come with much heaviness. This season, although we want to think it's all joy, there is a lot of pain too. So God, I pray for each individual here, that Holy Spirit, that you will speak to them this morning in a new, fresh, and intimate way. And that Holy Spirit, you will fall upon me to speak the words you have for the people here in West Milford this morning. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. This morning, we're going to look at the passage in Luke, Luke 2, verse 13 through 20. It will be on the screen, um, or you can look in your Bible. So I'm going to read it. Luke 2, 13 through 20. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in a manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. So here's a little background. Mary and Joseph left Nazareth in Galilee and went to um, Bethlehem in Judea because there was the Romans who occupied Israel were gonna be taking a census. They arrived, we all know the story, there's no place to stay. Right? So they stay in this cattle stall. And, you know, Rob and I had just been to Vermont this week. And you know when you're passing by a cattle stall because, well, the aroma is just something that you'll never forget. So they stayed in a cattle stall and Mary delivered her firstborn son. Not in a suite, not in a perfect little hospital room with all the loved ones that she wanted there. She delivered her firstborn son, wrapped him in rags, and laid him in a feeding trough. Meanwhile, there are shepherds in the field nearby, and we know they're guarding their flocks, they're protecting their flocks. Shepherds are very low status. They were known as being a very low status. Suddenly, an angel appears to the shepherds, right? Out of nowhere, this angel appears, and the scripture tells us that the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. 
The angels were terrified. You can imagine the, the glory and the, the brightness. I can just imagine. They were, they're like probably like this, like what is going on? And the angel tells them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy for all the people. The Savior, the Messiah, has been born in Bethlehem. You'll recognize him. He'll be wrapped in cloth and he's lying in a manger. So you see, these shepherds, they were beginning to process what the angel told them. They knew their theology. The shepherds knew their theology, and they knew that the fulfillment of the prophecy from Isaiah 7:14 that states, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. The angels were realizing that this was actually coming to life. The prophecy was actually coming to fruition. And this brings us to Luke 2, verse 13 and 14. It will be on the slide behind me. Suddenly an angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Did you hear that? A vast host, a multitude of angels. These heavenly beings couldn't just sit back and let one angel tell of the birth of Christ, the long-awaited Savior. No, they all had to come in. I mean, can you picture the scene? We're not talking 20, 100. We're talking the sky was filled. And they joined together praising God for what had occurred. And looking at our Christmas carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, we see this excitement this morning. Charles Wesley starts off in stanza one, showing the joy and the excitement of the arrival of Jesus. Verse one or stanza one is the proclamation of Christ. Hark, the herald angels sing. Hark means to listen, to pay close attention to these divine messengers that have a story to tell us. Glory to the newborn king. He's here. The newborn king is here. Peace on earth and mercy mild. He brings peace, not condemnation, but mercy. God and sinners reconciled. Jesus Christ's birth makes it possible for man to be reconciled with God. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. The first four lines, Charles Wesley is showing us the angel's excitement, right? The Messiah, he's here, woohoo! I could just imagine it, like woohoo! But the next four lines, they're all about us. They're a challenge to us. Joyful, all ye nations rise. Our response to the message of the angels is to stand up in awe and praise of God. In scripture, when someone comes in the presence of God, there's many different responses. There are people standing up. There are people laying flat on their face. There's weeping. There's crying. There's praying. There's worshiping. In Joshua 5.15, it says, The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. Wesley challenges us to rise in humble adoration. 
And when we rise, we are joining the heavenly triumph of the sky. You can't just sit down for this. Everyone stand up. Stand up. We got to join in the heavenly beings. And I want everyone to praise Jesus out loud all at once. Thank you, Jesus. We join the angels. We welcome you. This is a smidge of what it was like when those angels were rejoicing at the birth of our Savior. You can be seated. Thank you. <laughs> so have you ever felt that joy, that Christ joy in your life? Where you want to like scream from the mountains like the joy of the Lord is within you? And as I was kind of preparing this message and thinking through things in my life, there's many times, many times, more than I can probably even put into words that I've seen the joy of Christ in my life. But there were four times, there's a few times, I'm going to name four, that I've really felt that joy of Christ. When all four of my children made the decision for baptism, when they decided they, they wanted to live a life transformed for Jesus. At the plant, we do this awesome thing when, when people are baptized we get to share a little bit, the person who's being baptized, and then people get to, to share, right, and, and kind of praise and, and see what God's been doing in that person's life and recognizing it publicly. And that was one of the most defining moments of just seeing the, the joy of Christ. It made all those years that were really difficult so special. That's joy. And then the next one, I can't, I would be amiss if I didn't say this, that watching the next generation of followers of Christ come into our family. I got to tell you, when my daughter, for those of you who don't know, I'm a Mimi times two, and when my daughter had her first child, her second child just a couple months ago, I'm a crier. The Parkers are clearly criers. Rob cries, I cry, our kids cry, we all just cry all the time. No, we don't, but we are very emotional, passionate human beings, and I thought holding the offspring of my child, I would be sobbing, but I couldn't cry because I had so much joy. That's the joy of the Lord. And as each of our children grow and their vocations move them in all different directions, knowing that they're all following Jesus and that we will spend eternity together, as much as I miss them, that we will have eternity together, that is joy. And I'm going to tell you right now, today is going to be the joy of Christ at Mawa Bar and Grill. And I'm going to tell you why. Not only is it going to be an amazing, fun time, and we're going to have no voices by tonight, but because for those of you who don't know, I worked before I came on staff in the plant this year, I worked at Mawa School System as a school nurse for 12, almost 13 years. And I worked really hard, and I prayed really hard for these people in this community. And I loved them when they were unlovable, and it's been a challenge. And it was not always rewarding, to be very honest with you. By the way, the school nurse always gets the bad rap. Um, just letting you know, everyone blames the school nurse for something. But it was really challenging. But I prayed for this community. I have bathed that community in prayer and loved on my staff and loved on the people. And you know what? They're probably never going to step first foot in the church, but they're going to come to Mawa Barn Grill, and we're going to sing together today, and they're going to sing, joy to the world, the Lord is come. That's joy. 
Stanza two is the deity of Christ. Christ by highest heaven adorned. Wesley is asking us to consider whose birth it is. It's the Messiah's birth. The Messiah is to be worshipped by his greatest creation. The angels, they're worshipping him. Christ, the everlasting Lord. This new child is our everlasting Lord. Not an earthly king. He's not an earthly king. He is the eternal Lord of the universe. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb, centuries of his people waiting. And at the right time, at God's appointed time, Jesus came into the world. Go figure, from a virgin in this like miraculous, crazy, remarkable way. Matthew 1, through 23 says, All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Wesley's telling us that Christ left heaven, became flesh, man, the fullness of the deity in bodily form. Hail the incarnate deity. Hail, once again, to cheer, to salute, to greet, to welcome. Hail him as God in flesh. He is fully God, yet fully man. Philippians 2, 6-8 says, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. That verse gets me every time. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Pleased as man with man to dwell. God, man, he is fully inhabiting all of our experiences, everything we go through. He is fully man. He lives among us, but he is fully God. Jesus, our Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us, a savior to the people. Rescue from sin and death. The third verse is all the accomplishment of Christ. This, this verse is all about Jesus. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. To hail, to acclaim, to cheer him on as Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace goes back to Isaiah 9, verse 6, that says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. As we were praying this morning, as Andrew mentioned, we were talking how peace is not always an easy thing. And as everyone in this circle that we were around was sharing some things, there was not a lot of peace, to be very honest with you. There was a lot of heaviness. As I stood here listening to people and knowing, and I'll be very honest with you, Plant family, we had to put down our dog of 14 and a half years yesterday. I wasn't feeling very peaceful. Little Jakey, he's 
I mean, my oldest is 25, right? This is the dog that they've known. There was not a lot of peace going into last night. And when I went to bed, Rob and I both, as we wept most of the day, we just said, God, be our Prince of Peace for tomorrow. Knowing that we both were speaking, knowing that we had a day of celebrating with everybody, we needed the peace of our Heavenly Father. And when I think of peace, and I know everyone is going through something or at some point had, I think of my own life, and I reflect back of times of needing peace. There has been loss of loved ones. There has been pain. There has been pain in our life. Watching our children, anyone who knows our story knows we have two children with a very rare eye disease. There, has not, there was not a lot of peace at points in our life. And I remember when the kids were little and the anxiety, right? When your kids are little, the busyness and the lack of sleep and the, I mean, you need peace like there's no tomorrow when your kids are little. But to be honest with you, I thought I grasped it, but as my children have now become adults, oldest being 25, um, 24, 23, 2 maybe, and 20, <laughs> you never think you're going to forget that, but you do, right? But I have had to grasp peace in a whole new way. More than ever, I'm learning to cling to my heavenly father as my prince of peace. Two weeks ago, we sent Becky and Pedro and their two little babies, we're not being filmed, right? We're being recorded, to a place on the other side of the world that I can't mention for the safety of the team there. Talk about needing peace. Myself, my flesh, wanted to go to this anxious place, this a six-week-old baby, a 19-month-old baby, in this place that's not safe always. But I had to relinquish that control, give it to my Heavenly Father, claim him as my Prince of Peace. And I can't tell you it's easy. I want to say it's a daily surrenderance. Guess what? Nope. It's pretty much an hourly to a minute surrenderance. When I don't hear from them for a day, Jesus, you are my prince of peace. Hail the son of righteousness, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings, right? This is where we need the peace for our circumstances. But healing awaits that brings us back to the prophecy in Malachi 4.2, one of my favorite verses. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. And you will go free, leaping with joy like calves out to pasture. He is light in life to all. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness cannot extinguish it. While studying, I really felt this desire to look into light. And I found this really cool thing that showed a match. And you light the match and you put it in a dark room against a wall. And on that wall, you will see the shadow of the match stick. But you will not see the flame. Light has no shadow. Jesus has no shadow. 1 John 1.5 says, this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. And I think that is something that I know in my life I have to continually remember. 
that God is the God of light. There is no darkness. Yes, darkness is around us, but in Christ there is no darkness. Mild he lays his glory by. Jesus laid aside his glory to provide salvation to us. Wesley uses the last three lines of this verse to tell us three reasons why Jesus was born. He was born that no, that man no more may die. Remove the curse of sin from Adam. No more death. Born to raise the sons of earth. Raise us so we can have eternal life with him. And born to give them second birth. So that we can be born again. A transformed life that we may know our true identity as sons and daughters of God. There are many more stanzas. Go figure, right? You only sing the first three, but there's like six maybe of this carol. But this morning, this really points us to what we are focusing on. So to bring it back all together, to tie it in a nice bow as we like to do, we must remember that the angels play a significant role throughout scripture, especially in this Christmas narrative this morning. They are the messengers, messengers that we see four times throughout the Christmas narrative. Each time when they speak to someone, you know the first thing they say is, do not be afraid. That says something because the radiance, like we talked about in the first, the radiance of the Lord shines upon them. And the angels, don't be afraid. I can just see them with a smile and don't be afraid. I bring you good news. An angel came to Zechariah. We see in Luke 1, 11 through 20. I'm not going to put the slides up um, just for time's sake. But we see it that an angel tells Zechariah that his wife, who, by the way, couldn't have kids, now is going to have a son. His name is going to be John, and he's going to prepare the way for Jesus. Wow, Okay. Uh, next, an angel appears to Mary in Luke 1, 28 through 38. We know that story, right? An angel appears to Mary, tells her, guess what, Mary? You're a virgin. You're about 12 years old, but you're going to um, be pregnant with the Holy Spirit. <sighs> okay. Um, you're going to give birth to a son of the Most High. He's going to be Emmanuel, God with us. An angel then appears to Joseph. Poor Joseph. <laughs> the unsung hero here all the time. An angel appears to Joseph and says, you're going to take now this pregnant woman by the Holy Spirit as your wife, and you're going to name this child inside her Jesus. And then, of course, the angel spoke to the shepherds, as we saw this morning. And it wasn't just one angel, right? There was too much excitement over what was going on. It was a vast host, a multitude. Every part of the sky was filled with angels rejoicing at the birth of the Savior. And like the angels, we are called to worship. Angels are messengers. They call us into holiness, right? They kind of wrap their arms around us and we come into holiness with the angels. Angels prepare the way for us. We see that this morning. They prepared the way. They spoke to the shepherds, preparing the way for Jesus' birth. The angels glorify God. They glorify God in everything they do. And the angels teach us how to worship. There is nobody who worships better than angels. 
The angels glorify God day and night. That is their sole purpose, but to glorify God day and night. Charles Wesley, in the Christmas carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, encapsulates the essence of Christmas with the message of joy, hope, peace, as we celebrate with the angels the birth of Christ, our Savior. So this Christmas season, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you to worship like the angels. Worship Jesus for who he is, that he is God with us, Emmanuel. So how do we do this? Let's look at this. Some lessons from the angels. Number one, we're going to proclaim through worship. We are going to praise with our hearts and voices. Mel, I don't like to sing, Sue. I'm not really a singer. It's okay. You were praising with your hearts and voices when we stood up before. Number two, we are going to proclaim by sharing our faith. His birth removed our sins to redeem mankind, and salvation is now all of ours. We are going to proclaim by sharing our faith. Today, anyone who's going to Mawa Barn Grill, you are sharing your faith. You are worshiping with the local bar. Amen. And most importantly, we are going to proclaim by the way we live. Fully ours. Fully in. All in, plant family? All in. So, the reason my Christmas sweatshirt is not really that ugly is because it's extremely appropriate because if you remember Charlie Brown Christmas, which it is, um, Hark the Herald Angels Sing was what they do. So I'm going to show you. This is actually a tree in my house, right? It's so cute. I bought this probably 12 years ago. Um, the ornament on it is now currently taped on it. Um, it was not the original ornament. This one says, uh, 2003, Wyckoff Christian Preschool, Jesus Loves You. That was one of my kids' years. They got an ornament every year. And um, it's kind of weathered, et cetera. But if anyone knows the story of Charlie Brown Christmas, it is one of, I, I didn't mention that in the beginning, but it is one of my favorite. Anything with Charlie Brown is just so cute. Like, mm -mm -mm -mm. like I just love Charlie Brown. But if you know the story, Charlie Brown comes to his friends with this tree for the Christmas play that they're all going to be in. And his friends, particularly Lucy, she just, she's a mean girl. There was mean girls back then. She was definitely a mean girl. She ridiculed poor Charlie Brown for this wimpy, ugly tree. Charlie Brown, dude, you don't even get what the meaning of Christmas is. It's about the lights, and we even see Snoopy in the movie. You should go watch the movie after this. Go watch the movie tonight. Snoopy decorates his doghouse, and there's lights everywhere, and Charlie Brown is just upset. And he's like, what is the true meaning of Christmas? He doesn't know. And then his cute little friend, Linus, who sucks his thumb and carries this cute little blanket, and it's so dirty for the, those of you who are germaphobe, that is like the dirtiest thing. I had a son who had like a blankie like that. That thing got washed every night when he was sleeping. I'd pull it from his bed and, and wash it. But there he is, and he goes on the stage, and the lights are shining on him, and he recites our passage from today, Luke 2. And Charlie Brown's friends after that, they start understanding what the true meaning of Christmas is. It's not about what your tree looks like, or how your house is decorated. Doesn't matter how many presents you have on the list or who you bought for. 
the true meaning of Christmas is to be celebrated for our Savior's birth. And as they all are happy now and they start doing their cute little peanuts dance, they close in singing Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Thanks so much for joining us today. If this podcast has been helpful for you to know Jesus and make him known, then check out our website for more sermons and other resources, theplantchurch.org.